Welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of Wellbeing and Your Wallet. Uh, we're so happy to have you join us today. Uh, if you're new to the podcast, thanks for joining us. Thanks for finding us. Uh, you know, like and subscribe and share with your friends if you can. Uh, if you're a return listener, welcome back as well. We always appreciate you being a dedicated listener and listening to every episode as they come out. Uh, today we have an exciting topic and an exciting guest. Um, but of course, you know, before we jump into that, I need to introduce myself. I'm Grant Gallagher. I'm the head of financial well-being here at Affinity Federal Credit Union. Um, and joining me as usual is a man who once told me in confidence that he wishes his credit score was more like a report card because growing <laughs> up, his parents get, told him he was a good boy and gave him a chocolate when he got A's. And it's my very fair. Yep, yep. He's my co-wombat in well-being, Sean Lubitz. Um, if you don't understand that reference, you're going to have to listen to the back catalog. But uh, Sean, why don't you uh, introduce yourself a little bit? Fair enough. I appreciate the the warm intro there, Grant. So again, for anybody that is new to the podcast, my name is Sean Lubitz. I'm the vice president of retail branches here at Affinity. And Brant's, or Grant's, I will say, co-host, um, or I'm the, the Robin to his Batman for this podcast. So thank you for joining us again. Thank you as always, Sean. Uh, it's always good to have some somebody to banter with, and I'm not talking to myself. Um, and then, of course, I mentioned our our uh, special guest today, and it's somebody I've known for many many years. I mean, I think more than a decade. But I do have to say, she has not disclosed any chocolate related secrets um, to me. So maybe today, you know, will be the day where she shares some some of those secrets with us. Uh, it is Kim Cole from Navicore Solutions. Kim, why don't you share a little bit about yourself with uh, the audience? Sure. So uh, first of all, my chocolate secret is that I will pretty much do anything for chocolate. Okay. Um, you know, it, it, it doesn't take much. <laughs> um, but uh, yes, Grant, um, first of all, it's an honor to be here with you and Sean today. Uh, thank you so much for having me. Uh, my name is Kim Cole. I am the Community Engagement uh, manager for Navicor Solutions. And um, we're a nonprofit financial counseling agency. Then we and we work very closely with Affinity. Thank you, Kim. Welcome, Kim. Yeah, I, I, I believe we've, uh, we've had that relationship where you've your team has been offering counseling to our members for over a decade at this point. It's been pretty, pretty long term. So always happy to have another chance to talk with you and, and work with you. And, you know, get the, the good work that you're doing out in the community and, and for our members out there. Um, one other way that, that actually we're uh, working with Navicor is I was recently on the uh, Millennial Debt Domination podcast by Navicor, uh, and that should be launching right about at the same time as this episode is going out. So if you want to, I mean, you might not want to hear more of me, but if you want to hear more <laughs> from our friends over at Navicor uh, featuring me, you know, definitely go check out the Millennial Debt Domination. Uh, their, their line is become a debt warrior and win your money game. Um, and you can find Millennial Debt Domination from Navicor Solutions on all your usual podcasting platforms, including Apple Podcasts and Spotify. All right. So jumping into our traditional icebreaker question with the gang. Uh, this one obviously is credit themed because that's that's the theme of the, the episode today. Um, and I'll, I'll post this to uh, you, Kim, as our special guest. Would you rather have a perfect credit score for your entire life or $200,000 cash? Well, Grant, I'm going to have to tell you, I sat down with this and I racked my brain about this last night uh, because, boy, would $200,000 come in handy right about now. Um, but I 
gave it a lot of thought, probably more thought than you than you had planned. And <laughs> I am going to go with the perfect credit score. Okay. Because I actually pulled out my mortgage amortization schedule and started looking at my interest rates and how much it's costing me to own my home. And then I thought, started thinking about my car loan and I started thinking about my credit cards and how having a good credit score has enabled me to keep those um, limits and, and um, th- the interest rates at bay. Therefore, I am not spending nearly as much as I possibly would be with bad credit. And so in the end, I think I'm going to make out better with having the good credit score than the $200,000. I think I'm going to actually okay. make more that way. You know, we we do love a good over-analysis here and, and getting really <laughs> nerdy and into the nitty-gritty details. Sean can attest to that. I, I typically do pull up a, a study or two or some research in most of our episodes. At least once. I, I, I did not do for this one since we have an expert on, you know, I, I did take a step back there. Um, but no, we, we appreciate the over analysis and, and the pulling of your amortization schedule. I, I will say you get an A plus for your homework. Then. Thank you. The fact I can say amortization, I think yes. gets me a few points. <laughs> All right, Sean, what's, what's your thoughts here? Uh, I went, I, uh, <clears throat> I did a little homework on this one too, right? So I, I looked at, a. um, a loan calculator, and I'm like, all right, what what would the difference be? And again, roughly, I would say this: a two hundred and fifty thousand dollar mortgage uh, over the course of thirty years, and if you increase your rate, say one percent, say from five percent to six percent, you're looking at about sixty thousand dollars, roughly, in additional interest that you're going to pay, right? Um, and that's just solely based on your credit. Me and my wife have done so much to get our credit scores to a, a level right now where we are okay. So I would say at my point in life right now, $200,000 sounds fantastic. But if you ask the younger Sean, um, he may have picked the $200,000 also, but the smart decision would have been perfect credit for my for the rest of my life. Um, you can save so much money in interest over the course of your life and your financial journey. Uh, and again, I don't think enough people understand that fully. So that's why I'm so excited for uh for this podcast and for Kim to be a guest. All right. Well, I, I appreciate both your thoughtful consideration of this question because it does give me an opportunity to be a contrarian and say that I'm going the opposite way and I'm taking the cash, baby. <laughs> and, you know, again, the, the devil is in the details and it says, would you rather have perfect credit for your entire life? And I've been on both sides. You know, I've, I've had low credit. You know, I've had slightly bad credit when I was first starting out. I've had perfect credit. And, you know, people think of credit as this tangible thing, but really it's just something that enables you to borrow money on better terms, the better your, your credit is, right? If you can just skip that borrowing part and go right to the money, even, even better. And, and, and it says perfect credit. You don't need perfect credit. Nobody needs perfect credit because most lending uh, schedules kind of top out at the high 700s. So once you hit that, you know, 750, 775, those last 75 to 50 points, they're just bragging rights. You know, they're, they're just so you're out with your friends who are financially savvy and you pull your app and say, hey, look at my, look at my 850. But uh, 
so that's that's my thing. I you know as long as you have good credit, that that two hundred thousand is still that's the move. Very true. I will object on one point, Grant. Your two hundred thousand dollars will be gone on your first trip to Disney World, so it may not. <laughs> Can you tell what I'm planning? But I didn't have to borrow it. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> All right. Well, I hope that got your your uh, creative thoughts flowing and and ready to dive deeper into credit. Um, obviously, this is our episode where you know we're talking about. Credit with Navicor. So, Kim, you know, we're going to talk about Credit 101, you know, what it is, how to build it, how to reverse bad credit, you know, how does it affect you, you know, especially in terms of home buying or or getting loans. Um, And then, of course, we want you to plug a little bit about what a credit counseling service offers and what you guys typically do on a day-to-day basis and and how you, you help our members. Um, So, you know, jumping right into the conversation, you know, can you Give us a little bit of information about what is a credit score, why it matters, how how it impacts our financial lives. Sure. So a credit score, which I always find very interesting, is basically a number where a company like FICO takes a look at your credit history or your credit report, and it kind of has an algorithm that comes up with a three-digit number. And what that three-digit number symbolizes is the likelihood that a consumer will repay their debt. The higher the score, the more likely. The lower the score, the less likely. So that really is what a credit score truly, truly is. So, I mean, why does that matter? What it matters, it matters on two fronts. Um, One is because for lenders in general, they are going to want to reward those that have been paying their debt back and and have been um, kind of monitoring their finances versus someone that's a higher risk. So the higher the score, the the less you're going to pay for an item. Think I think it's a better way to think of it that way as the consumer. But one of the things that I believe has become a little troublesome over probably the last decade has been that our credit score is being utilized in other areas besides just mm. borrowing. And it's becoming a symbol of our character, mm. which I have to tell you, I don't necessarily agree with, but there are many different institutions outside of just lending that is utilizing that score now. So it does play a much larger role in our life than even we may even know about. Yeah. And the reality is at the end of the day, it's, it's really just telling, telling you how likely are you to pay, pay something back? Mm -hmm. Um, You know, that's, kind of a, a simple way to put something that's relatively complex, but does does that level of riskiness or trust for, trustworthiness, you know, however you want to put it, necessarily reflect those other ways that it's being used for? You know, it's prob- yes. it kind of seems like a, a round hole square peg kind of situation. I definitely agree. I see that, you know, working in an industry in which people come to me when they are usually either at the beginning 
of financial difficulty or in the throes of financial difficulty, um, there is usually a really valid reason for them being in that position. It could be medical Mm -hmm. issues. It could be a, a number of things. So to utilize that score as a reflection of their character really isn't fair. Um, But unfortunately I can stand on my soapbox all day. It doesn't necessarily change the way the whole industry is, is, is going. Okay. No, that's, that's fair. And it's, it's good for, for our listeners to be aware of, of that's kind of the situation. And it's kind of an added level of value to having good or, or even just decent credit since it is leaking into these other parts of, of their lives that they may not even realize. Um, just to, you know, to add to that too, <clears throat> I do agree with you fully, Kim. I think um, a credit score and a credit report shows a snapshot of someone's finances, but a lot of times there's a story behind that snapshot, right? Everybody's individual um, circumstances are different. And one thing that, that is tough is you could work so hard to maintain such a high credit score and then you could potentially you know, lose your job and then things start to happen. You, you get behind on payments. Um, it negatively impacts your score. And then how do you build your score back up? Right. And that, and that can be difficult, but I do think a lot of times we, we look at people, people just on paper and we're fortunate enough here at the credit union that we, we do want to have a conversation. We want to understand um, and then partner obviously with individuals like yourself and Navicor to be able to help people through those situations because a poor credit score doesn't mean it's a it's a a bad person right everybody has things that happens in their lives and we just want to make sure we we give the resources necessary to help them get back on their feet absolutely and that that's part of what makes affinity so special is that you guys as an organization offer so many opportunities and and so many wonderful programs to people and education that uh, can help them move past just being a number. It, it, it's it's more than that. It's it's about the education. It's about um, you know learning how to get to where they need to be in order to achieve what it is they want. And um, that's one of the things that I absolutely love about Affinity. Well, thank you, Kim. We, yes, we tend you. to like to think that about ourselves, but it's nice to hear yes. a third party validate that and, and also see that that's what we're trying to do. So so thank you for that. Absolutely. Um, we, we've thrown around you know, poor credit, good credit. How do, how do we quantify what that kind of looks like and what the difference is? So the the score, the credit score has a range and um, it typically goes, depending on which model you're using, 300 to 850 is kind of the, what we in the industry use. Um, so we'd like to say, you know, anything above 670 is good credit. Um, and anything kind of below that is not necessarily bad credit, but no longer in that really good category. Um, but there are, are a number of factors that play into that. The credit score and, and credit as a whole is a bit of a game. And so not only just being able to achieve that score, um, 
is how you win. It's the game that goes into how you achieve that score. So what I mean by that is that, uh, you know, knowing that 37% is on time monthly payments Mm -hmm. and the fact that closing a credit card could have a negative impact for a, for a period of time on your credit score when you think you're doing the right thing. There's a lot that goes into, into that. So when we say yep. good or bad, I'm not always, I, I'm not always comfortable with giving a definitive number because truthfully, and I'm happy to tell a story. I had a credit card that I had for many, many years and that shall remain nameless that was charging me an annual fee and I wasn't using it anymore. Mm-hmm. So I closed it. And my credit score took a hit of almost 100 points. How dare and you, Kim? I know it. I know it. And so how how does that mean that I was irresponsible? Yeah. I had a card that I was not using that was sitting in my wallet, leaving me open to things like identity theft and losing that card and paying for something I'm not using. But according to the credit model, it hit me hard. Now, did my score go back? Yes. But had I been in the process of buying a car or a home, that could have been a game changer on my interest rate, which would then in turn change how much I was paying for those items. So it's, you know, um, again, I did nothing else but close a credit card. Right. No, and and I think you raise an important point where there's there's kind of, you know that yes, we know that there's five elements that go into it. We know kind of the rough weighting and percentages, but there really is a big portion of of credit that's kind of a black box where we don't necessarily know how specifically something will impact your your credit. Um, and and certainly the average person typically doesn't know that. So yeah. you know we're we're not going to get too granular and go into those those five different areas today. But right. that's something I would encourage people to to go out there and and look up. It's readily available, you know, through our educational resources. It's available, you know, everywhere on the web that you look. And I don't think there's really too much bad information out there. I think it's pretty consistent um, yes. in, in getting that. But you know, look, see see what goes into the the credit pie. See how it's made, because mm-hmm. um, that can just right off right off of that give you some thoughtful ways to approach. If you're going to apply for your next credit card, if you're going to apply for a next loan, if you're going to close something out, if you're going to pay something off um, and kind of give you the right questions to ask when you're going to somebody for advice um, and figuring out what that right, right move is. So a piece of that too, Kim, and sorry, Grant, I want to cut you off. I'm I'm kind of curious to your thoughts on this is we, we talk about limited credit as well, right? So we have younger individuals who would come into a branch, call us over the phone, maybe go online and apply they have limited credit history, which could negatively impact them. And then on the flip side of that, we've seen a lot of members who have done very well budgeting over the years, right? They, they have a lot of money saved. They pay for things in cash. I bought my car in cash, right? I don't carry a balance on my credit card. I don't have a mortgage anymore. Um, that can negatively impact their credit score also when they are what they think is doing the right thing, right? And it's necessarily doing the right thing. But what are your thoughts on that as far as like limited credit history? You know, it's tough. I can't tell you, how, you know, I've been doing this 25 years and I can't tell you how many times I've walked into a room where I'm presenting a workshop and at least three or four people say, I have no credit because I have no debt. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and 
there's that part of me that my heart sinks a little bit because I'm going to have to be the bearer of bad news and let them know that having some credit is really, it's, it's unfortunate, but it really is necessary mm-hmm. to be um, kind of a responsible homeowner or a responsible yeah. car owner. And, and that when I mentioned earlier that the score was initially designed for lenders to be able to determine the likelihood of, of debt repayment. If you're kind of off the grid and it's, you know, the, the credit score is kind of reflective of that. It makes lenders a little bit nervous because they're not sure what you're going to do. Yeah. So you actually may be penalized for what my personal American dream would be. Just, you know, um, it just goes to more of the counterintuitive process that mm-hmm. is that is credit that even though in my mind you're doing everything right every you're paying off everything this is fantastic yeah if if down the line you need to take out a home equity line of credit because something happens you're gonna you're gonna run into an issue because of the fact that that you're not carrying debt so Kim are, are you saying that your retirement plan is to go live off the grid? Back backwoods of Montana somewhere, you know, yes. solar panels, your, your own <laughs> own well, chickens, the whole whole nine yards. Abs, I'm leaving okay. everything behind, and <laughs> credit yes, included. credit, the husband, the <laughs> just playing, but no, seriously, um, you know that that would be great if I had a, a wonderful car that ran that was paid for and a house that I loved that was paid for. Those are, you know, to me, that was the American dream. Yeah. But now it's, it's kind of framed differently, especially when we look at things like housing prices and car. I mean, yeah. I almost, I almost fell off my chair <clears throat> the other day. I got something from a dealership where they're selling a car, I kid you not, for $187,000. And I I literally said to one of the counselors that works with me, I said, that is more than I spent on my house Mm -hmm. when I bought my house. I can't can't fathom spending $187,000 on a car. When when we're offline, I'll tell you guys all about what it was. and, And it was not some... Awesome you know, I was, looking. I was looking, I was shopping for a new car, Kim. So yeah, that'd be great. <laughs> yeah, I will. Absolutely. I, I'll give you the dealer's name, the whole nine yards, Grant, so you can get right in there. But, you know, now we're in a position where everything is priced so incredibly high that it's very difficult to, to utilize cash. Yeah. To, yeah, they, they, they kind of price it expecting that you are going to finance it and, and do it over time so they can yes. increase that price a little bit. Um, Absolutely. You know, one of the things that that you had mentioned before that I want to circle back on a little bit is looking at uh, low credit or limited credit and, you know, compared to bad credit. Mm -hmm. You know, how do those two things compare? Is there a difference between how you build back or or start to build from that? Is is one more difficult than the other? So when you're looking at two consumers, one of which has bad credit, the other has no credit. It's 
tougher because the person that has no credit has like a zero credit score. Mm-hmm. Again, in in the world of issuing credit, it, it can be a little bit nerve wracking. So therefore, the terms are probably not going to be very good when it comes to um, the product that you receive. Whereas with bad credit, if they see a credit score of 300, they say, oh, chances are this person's not going to pay the debt back. So we're going to give the highest interest rate we can find, make Mm. our money back. And therefore, when they default down the line, we've already made our money back plus some. So there is that. However, When it comes to building, it is easier, in my opinion, to build than to rebuild because Mm. um, different institutions such as Affinity have wonderful products that can take someone and help them build up credit. Um, I think of a secured credit card right off the bat that here is someone, you know, that may um, have no credit, but that secured credit card is a great way to get started. And because it's through a reputable bank, it's going to be reported on the credit report. The payments will be reported properly and they will see, I don't want to say fast, but a decent increase over a shorter period of time. Whereas if you've got bad credit, you've got to kind of fix that first before you can start some of the rebuilding process. So I, you know, it's kind of a two way street, but I'm it personally, I'd rather deal with someone that has no credit and looking to build than bad credit and necessarily looking to build back because it is a longer process. What's interesting to me too, is um, that's why it's so important, especially at a young age, to become educated on credit and what it means. I know it's illegal now, but when I was in college, you'd have, you know, some big banks, won't say names, sitting outside Mm -hmm. the cafeteria, name, address, phone number, social, we'll give you a credit card with a thousand dollar limit. You don't really understand how it works. And a frisbee or a a free sandwich or a t-shirt for great. Pizza, yep, pizza at, at my school. There you go. Anything free. Honestly, if it was free, it was worth it at that point. Uh, But it really wasn't free, right? So you you just don't really know. You think, great, I have this $1,000 now that's available to Mm -hmm. me. But no one ever explained to you, you know, what that means or how to use it properly or how to make payments on it or, you know, what payments are due or even interest rate. Um, So I'm happy that that can't be done anymore on college campuses. But it still goes back to just making sure, especially those people who are younger that have zero credit, start off on the right foot. Um, because to your point, it's very difficult to, when you go from a situation of having no credit and you want to build it, if your first few steps are, are mistake after mistake, and now you have limited credit, but that limited credit is also poor, it's, it's very difficult to build it back up. Um, and I think those are some pitfalls that can be avoided Again, just with some simple education on how the credit system works. You know, one one of the things that I, I had heard, and Kim, please correct me if this is incorrect, is if you have limited or no credit and you get that secured loan, you get that secured card, you start to make consistent payments on that, you can start to see some, some decent improvement to your score within six months to a year. Um, and then on the flip side, if you're in a bad situation, that recovery period can be a lot 
longer term. Um, can Do you have any feedback on kind of like what somebody who's in a bad credit situation might experience from a timeline perspective? Sure. First of all, I agree with you 100%. You know, um, it's definitely going to be a longer road. Mm-hmm. But um, it's also going to it's also going to take a different route than someone that has no credit in his building. Right. You know, when you have when you have poor credit and you still have outstanding debt, it's definitely going to be more of a crawl because yeah. of the fact that you're going to have to work um, on taking care of what's still outstanding right. really before you move forward. Um, one of the things that I know, Grant, you and I have talked about at length um, over the years in our education groups is that after seven years, things come off the credit report, uh, but a debt is a debt you owe for life. You know, you never know who's interconnected. You never know by, well, I'm just not going to pay my chase card. It's going to go away. Excuse me for using a bank, but um, I hope that's okay. Better than us. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. I'm paying my affinity. Don't you worry. No, but um, you don't know how many stores are utilizing Chase as their bank. And therefore, by blowing off a, a credit card, you may not be eligible now for credit from 10 other, 10 other stores. Um, so it's, it really is, um, a longer road because you do have to do the repairs. I would say that it's, it's dependent on as far as time goes, how quickly you can repair what's the damage that's been done, which is by paying that debt off, and then moving forward, but um, I like to, I, I say this in jest, but there is definitely serious overtones. It takes three months to destroy your credit. It takes three years to build it back. Yeah, that's you know uh, definitely more time. So if you can get to it early, if we can get to more young people, as Sean was saying, early and they can avoid the pitfalls, then we'd be yeah. in a much better position. Yeah. No, to- totally agree. And, you know, that, that actually ties in nicely to the conversation that I was having um, with, with your friends over and colleagues over at the Millennial Debt Domination Podcast, yes. where we were talking about, you know, how people are managing the current homeowner uh, and home buying environment with, you know, lots of debt that they already have. I mean, may, probably not in a, you know, charge off or bad credit situation, but the housing environment's just such a challenge for young people to get into because rates are are high even if you are a highly qualified borrower. Inventories, you know, super low. There's lots of bidding wars going on. Um, so, can you just give us some a little bit of background on what that looks like from a you know credit perspective? What how does that all tie together? The way that ties it kind of all ties together. I mean. You're right in saying that at this stage, um, with interest rates being high, housing prices being high, we're seeing a whole generation of people not buying homes. Yeah. Um, so right there, that that's a little frightening to me. It, you know, um, as someone who believes that owning a home is um, an asset. 
Um, But, you know, what I'm afraid of, and I'll be honest with you, Grant, is as we are in this kind of financial position that we seem to be in, when you're working with people that do not have good credit, yet are eager to purchase, Mm -hmm. it becomes a little reminiscent of 2008. And the bubble bursting and, um, you know, we've seen some loosening of the rules when it comes to home purchase, uh, which concerns me. Um, And anybody can buy a home. It's just a matter of how much do you want to pay? And, you know, um, is it worth it to buy a $300,000 house for a million dollars because of the situation. So your credit is poor. Your situation is poor. I say no. No. And and that's, I think it really is just important to recognize it is such a, a tough environment because the overall interest rate environment is high. And if you have low credit, you know, you're going to be paying the highest amount possible. So right there, you're already dis- at a disadvantage versus you know five years ago. And then mm-hmm. on top of that, if you're a young person, you probably don't have a ton of savings to be able to put that 20% exactly. down. So you're also looking at PMI. And mm-hmm. I mean, at that point, I, I'm not going to say it's unaffordable because affordable is variable by everybody's situation. But I mean, it is extremely expensive to become a homeowner when you're in that mm-hmm. sort of situation. Um, and you know, this is kind of the conversation we've been having a lot is maybe it's better to just put things off for a bit, save a little yes. bit more, you know, re reconfigure your expectations. And it's not that you won't be a homeowner. It's just not today, you know, kind of readjust that timeline in your expectations. So you're not stressed about it and biting off more, more than you can chew. Yeah, I definitely agree with you. I think that, um, you know, if we didn't learn anything from 2008, um, I mean, what we should have come away with that is that not everybody is right to be a homeowner at exactly the moment they want to be. Yeah. Um, you know, we're seeing rent, especially on the East Coast and and actually on the West Coast as well, is extremely high right now. Yep. Um, you know, I talked to clients where they've got a two-bedroom apartment and their rent is more than my mortgage and that mm-hmm. that's unnerving. So just the fact of having to try to save for down payments to try, you know, and the 20% that 25 years ago I put down on my house, that was a lot easier to do 25 years ago when housing prices were much lower. Yeah. Um, that's not something you're going to see people being able to do as easily. So now they're walking in with less money down, higher interest rates, um, and it depends on what the loan looks like, how it's structured. Is it an adjustable rate mortgage? Is it something that is going to change on these people? Or is it going to be a situation where I can afford this today? But in a year, if my interest rate goes up, which means my payment's going up, it's yeah. not going to happen. I mean, there's so many factors, Grant. It's just, it's it's frightening, quite frankly. And I agree with you. If you are not in a position to be able to afford this home, don't 
do it. It's not worth it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. It's going to, it's going to be much more stress than, than joy you're getting out of them from being, being a homeowner. Um, oh, without question. But, yeah. It's, it's just realigning your expectations, you know, and, mm-hmm. and just making sure that your goals have a realistic timeline. I mean, that's something we yes. talk about a lot on this, this podcast is you need to make sure that what you're doing and what you can actually reasonably achieve and work towards makes sense because otherwise yes. you're just going to create more stress for yourself. It's going to diminish the return on, on all the hard work that you put in there. Um, you know, there's, there's nothing wrong with taking a breather and putting things off for a little bit to just make sure you have the right amount of time to save up and work towards what you really want. And, you know, there is value in delayed gratification. It, it usually is yes. better when you have to wait a little bit longer. Yes. So now that we've depressed everybody and made our, <laughs> our young listeners think that there's no way they're ever going to buy a home, um, let's do something a little bit fun where we're pivoting over to myth busting, um, where I want, you know, can you share just some common misconceptions about credit scores and credit reports, you know, just like the top two or three that you can think of? The higher my credit limit, the better off I am. I love that one. Get, you know, no, it, it, it can actually be a situation where um, if you use all of that credit, you could be in some serious trouble. I have a credit yeah. card that has like a $25,000 credit limit on it. And, and I'm literally calling the credit card company going, could you lower that, please? Because that's going to get me in a whole lot of trouble. Um, So I think that's one of them. Um, And I also think, Brittany, you actually pointed one out that I really liked. And that is that you need to have an 850 credit score to be successful. Completely untrue. If you're paying your bills on time and you are managing your debt, then you will be okay. I think that's what's important that you can't take this number and, you know, just because I have an 850 doesn't mean that you're perfect. Yeah. It just means either A, you played the game right, B, you're really lucky, or C, you're brilliant like we are. (laughs) I I jest. Um, Because I can tell you mine is not perfect. But but it's not preventing me from getting anything that I want or need. And And, that should be the goal. And that's that's an important point that I think that you make is your credit score today doesn't matter unless you're looking to get a loan. The -hmm. the time where your credit matters is when you're actually going to use it. um, And if you can plan enough far in advance where it's not where you want it to be, but you want to get it to somewhere and have that conversation, you can get it to where you want to be. Uh, You just need to figure out the plan, figure out how you're going to get there and have that conversation. Don't just expect it to, you know, magically improve out of hopes and good wishes. Um, You got to be thoughtful and proactive about it and and get the support and help that, that you need. Absolutely. All right. So we are going to jump over to our member mailbag segment. Um, This is where we have a listener write in with a question or comment. And if you want to be on a future member mailbag segment, please send it to us at AffinityFCU on Facebook or X slash Twitter with the hashtag member mailbag. All right. So today's member mailbag is I'm considering leaving my current job on my 
own to start my own business. I'd likely need to secure a business loan to get things off the ground, but I'm concerned that my personal credit score, which isn't great, will impact my ability to secure a business loan. Does my personal credit have an impact on my ability to secure a business loan? And what steps can I take to strengthen my credit profile before applying for the loan? Uh, Kim, your thoughts first, please. Well, I can kind of make this brief, and that is I'm concerned already by the fact that if you're in a position where your credit is not in a decent place, adding more debt to start your own business might be a bit of a kind of a scary, that scares me a little bit as as a financial educator. Um, And yes, they are going to look at your personal credit because unless your business has some great value, chances are they're going to look at you as as the collateral almost you yes. you know mm-hmm. and that that's my thoughts uh Sean yeah. what what are your thoughts on this I agree with everything Kim just said um businesses are obviously a little bit different more than the than the personal side of credit right there's a there's so many questions I have for this person right like what what kind of business are you going yes. into is it something that you know, you are currently working in that field and you're going to go off and start your own business with something that you're, you know, familiar with and have a history with, or are you an accountant and now you want to be a woodworker, right? There, there's so many different questions, but I think ultimately to answer this specifically, yes, right? You, you would have to put some skin in the game um, on the personal side to ensure that you would qualify for a loan um, to open, to start your own business. But I, again, to this person, do your homework, right? Like really just make sure um, you educate yourself on what is required for a business loan, what type of business loan would be best for you, um, what impact your personal credit would have on it. And what I would say to this person is, if this is something they're very serious about, give us a call, stop into one of our branches, speak with one of our representatives, because not only can they assist you, they can get you in touch with one of our amazing commercial lenders, right? Who do a phenomenal job really connecting with the individual, understanding what they're looking to do, and then being able to point them in the right direction. Um, it's not a, a hard no. You shouldn't do this. This is not in the future for you. But to your point, Kim, let's make sure that you take the right steps to ensure that you're successful in this endeavor when you do take it on. You know, if you thought that a personal credit loan or line application asked a lot of questions and went in depth, you're in for a whole nother world of in-depth digging through the details when it comes to business lending. I mean, yep. you really want to make sure that your personal credit and and finances are in order. Um, I mean, even if you weren't going to go for a business loan, anything that you're starting out your own business, you want to make sure your, your, your own personal life is in order first. Um, you know, at minimum, this person needs to kind of push out their timeline, delay a little bit, figure out their own credit situation. And in the meantime, figure out what that business loan process looks like, what they're looking for, what to expect. Um, because there's there's probably some some answers to questions they they currently don't have if they're they're kind of this early into the process. And yep. they should they should have those answers. And have a strong business plan. Yes. Have a, you know, um, I would love to bake, but I have a tiny little kitchen in my tiny little house and it's not going to accommodate an industrial kitchen. 
I can't walk in and and get a loan for an industrial, you know, kitchen just because this is this is what I want to do. I would think that going to my lender and saying, take a look at this. This is my model. This is what we're looking at. In addition to this is this is where I'm at financially. Um, I think is is just so important. So many people jump into businesses without really having that structured plan and um, really doing the the projections and um, everything that's so important because even if you do get the loan, you've got to be able to pay it back. Yep. So, um, you know, it's, it's not just about getting the loan. It's about making sure that you are in a business that is going to afford you the ability to pay back that loan in a timely manner. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And another another resource I just wanted to highlight too is is the SBA. They're they're also a great yes. resource for for a lot of resources related to getting your business off the ground and business plans and all of that. So you know, for anybody who's looking to dive into entrepreneurship, definitely find out what resources you can get through the SBA. All right, uh, so that actually brings us to our product spotlight today, and. Going on theme of credit and Navicor, uh, today we're highlighting Affinity's credit counseling services. So Affinity Federal Credit Union offers free credit counseling and housing counseling services through Navicor Solutions. Navicor's credit counselors are certified by the National Foundation for Credit Counseling through a series of rigorous examinations on credit and money management. Any information provided or discussed with your credit counselor is held in the strictest confidence. Navicor Solutions is a national leader in the field of nonprofit financial counseling, and for over 30 years, their focus has been on helping people eliminate debt and achieve financial stability. Their certified counselors will gain a clear understanding of your unique personal situation to create a personalized plan of action to assist you. To learn more, you can affin- uh, visit the Affinity Portal for Navicor Solutions at affinity.navicorsolutions.org, or you can always go to affinityfcu.com and go to our credit counseling section, and that will bring you right over to Navicor as well. All right, so we talked about a ton of stuff today. We, we really uh, pulled the veil off of credit, hopefully, for our listeners and, and gave them some good uh, ideas and takeaways that they can use in their lives to improve their credit. Um, Kim, what, what final thoughts do you want to share with our listeners? I think, um, first of all, I think we, this was great. Um, really, we covered so much in such a short period of time. Uh, but I think the important takeaway is that it never hurts to educate yourself. Mm-hmm. Uh, learning about credit and debt and how how it all works is is so important. There's some amazing websites and programs and and workshops that you can attend to learn about all of these things. Um, and that by making sure that you're in a position where you can afford to pay the debts that you have. Yeah. That is that's important as long as you are moving along and you are paying more than what the creditors are asking for, more than that minimum payment each month, you are going to be okay. And um, just keep it manageable. Keep it within the scope of, of what you can do. Your score will reflect that as well as your pocketbook. Yeah, great advice. And and again, thank you. Thank you for joining us today, Kim. This this was fantastic. Uh, love, love to have you on and love to have you back. So, you know, thank you for your time today. Uh, 
Sean, Thank you. What, are, what are your final words of wisdom? Uh, final words, I, I always will say the differentiator at Affinity is going to be the people, right? The, the products and services are always going to be similar across financial institutions, but the people here at Affinity truly do care. Um, it's about providing our, our members the correct information, right? Avoiding misinformation, educating our members on the products and services and just the resources we have. So it's, it's not just what we offer here at Affinity, it's the partnerships we have with Kim, with Navicor, with other, um, other organizations that we can provide as resources. But really it's, um, I encourage everybody, if you have not, if you're not a member of Affinity, I encourage you to come become a member, right? Um, if you are currently a member, reach out to us, whether it be over the phone, whether it be in branch, um, we would love to hear from you. We'd love to help you build. We talk a lot about budgeting, right? We would love to help you build a budget. But one of the most fulfilling conversations or journeys we see is when people are struggling with credit, we can help put them in the products and services to, to improve their credit score and then see them get the car that they want, right? Or get into the house that they want to get into. It's one of the most fulfilling journeys we can help a member through. So again, I encourage everybody, if you're if you're a little lost, that's okay. Most people are come visit us and uh, we're, we're happy to have a conversation and point you in the right direction and be that partner through the whole journey. Thank you, Sean. Thank you. And thank you, Kim. I will say this is an amazing episode and I love chatting with you. So I appreciate you, Kim. Oh, thank you so much. And thank you both for having me. I had a wonderful time. I, I think our listeners definitely learned a lot today. Um, I, I learned a thing or two. Kim, you, you always keep teaching me every time we connect. So I, I always appreciate that. Um, you know, and my, my final takeaway to our listeners is, you know, if you don't know what your credit is, look into it. If you're an affinity member, you can get your FICO score quarterly, right, right on our online banking. Um, if it's not where you want it to be, you know, reach out to our friends at Navicor, reach out to one of our representatives, you know, you can visit a branch, they can talk you through it, explain what it is, explain, you know, what you need to do to get you where you want to be. And the, the most important thing is that you are aware and, you know, if it's not where you want it to be you put together a plan to get you where you want to be. Um, so, you know, thank you as always for listening to the Wellbeing in Your Wall podcast. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. A reminder that if you want, if you have a question or comment for a future member mailbag segment, you can send us to send it to us at Affinity FCU on Facebook or X slash Twitter with the hashtag member mailbag. And then please rate, like, and subscribe for more Wellbeing in Your Wall podcast. You can visit us at affinityfcu.com for more information about your financial well-being and affinity products. And as always, thanks for listening and be well.